Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, and we are continuing the series that we began a few weeks ago now on the seven churches of Revelation. Uh, for those of you who uh, maybe have missed any of these or all of these, uh, Jesus kicks off the book of Revelation basically by meeting with the Apostle John. Now, this is way after Jesus has, uh, has risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. Jesus makes an appearance on this island by the name of Patmos. And John has been punished for sharing the gospel, and he has been exiled to this island where there is no other person except him, and then how amazing then, when you're used to being all by yourself, all of a sudden Jesus appears and he dictates seven different letters to uh, different churches in Asia Minor, uh, which would be kind of modern day Turkey, okay? And today uh, is, uh, is a city that <clears throat> may be familiar to you, uh, but it's not the same one that we have here in the States. Uh, Jesus addresses this letter to the faithful of Philadelphia. The faithful of Philadelphia. Yes, there was a city by the name of Philadelphia. Uh, no, not that terrible city that has the Philadelphia Eagles in it that only the Antichrist and Al-Qaeda would cheer for, that's for sure. Uh, since I'm a Cowboys fan, I could say that. Um, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is not the city that booed Santa Claus. <laughs> and they did. Philadelphia actually booed Santa Claus. But I digress. Uh, this is a different city altogether. Uh, Philadelphia is actually known for the city of what? Brotherly love, correct? And... Um, Jesus, Jesus has some interesting things to say to this church, and I want to share those with you today uh, because Jesus used this letter, and he actually composed this letter differently than he did any of the other seven or the other six letters. Let me show you what I mean. If you're able to, could you stand with me for the reading of God's word as we Check this out together. We're in Revelation chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 7, and we're going to go to verse 13. If you don't have your Bible with you today, you can follow along on the screen, and uh, we'll stay on the same page together. So here we go. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name. I'll make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. And since you've kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Let me repeat that. I'll do that. 
Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence today. Your presence is always here, but God, there's times that you remind us that you're here, and you've done that this morning. Now I pray that same presence would be in the receiving of your word, and God, that you would touch every one of us, and God, you would change us, make us different, leaving than when we came in. And we'll thank you for all you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. Now, here's what makes this letter so different compared to the other six letters that Jesus uh, dictates in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. If you remember, okay, here's the typical format, all right? Jesus says, this is who I am, and he comes up with the descriptive way that they can relate to, by the way, that he comes up with the descriptive way to describe himself, and then he usually compliments them, and he says what they're doing correctly and what they're doing right. And then he goes into some detail as to what one of those churches is doing wrong. He tells them how to fix it, and then he gives them some incentive to do so. Well, here's what makes this church different, this letter different. Jesus says nothing negative about these folks at all. This church out of the seven is the one that Jesus found no fault with. Jesus used this letter to encourage what may have been a smaller church or a weak church or a church that was going through some stuff, but Jesus used this letter to encourage the church in Philadelphia. He identified themselves as being weak. We'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. So Jesus took this opportunity in the midst of correcting all these other churches to encourage this one. Now, let me give you something else about Philadelphia. Okay, according to historians, the whole region of Philadelphia was very earthquake, <clears throat> excuse me, earthquake prone. Lots of earthquakes there in Philadelphia. Uh, insomuch, many people preferred to live in the rural area surrounding the city, and the fear of an earthquake would cause many people to leave the city at the feeling of just the slightest little tremor. They were afraid of dying in the ruins of an earthquake. And so that will come into play, by the way. Hold that thought. That will come into play later in this message. But what I want to do here, I want to show you that Jesus has some wonderful actions that he takes towards this church. And he also, also takes towards us. And, and what it is, Jesus does these wonderful things and he brings this about. He, he talks about it. And then there, there's a promise that we can cling to. Let me say it again. Jesus acts and there is a promise that we can hold on to as a result of Jesus' actions. 
And today I want to identify those promises that I think God has for each of us from this passage of Scripture. Maybe you need to hold on to one of these, or two, or maybe all five. Let me show you what I mean. First of all, first of all, we have this in play, the fact that Jesus remembers. Jesus remembers. Jesus remembers. Look at verses 8 and 9 again. He says, I know your deeds. Let's stop there. He knows your deeds. Don't just, don't just chalk that up as like, oh, that's just introductory remarks. That's significant. He knows the things you do. He knows the things you do. Pastor Phil might not even recognize it every time that you do something, but God does. Can you say amen? You may not get a hand clap. You may not get an article in the paper. You may not even get a plaque. (laughs) But Jesus sees you, and he sees your deeds. Well, let's continue. I know your deeds. See, I place before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet you've kept my word and you have not denied my name. Look at verse 9. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. So the church in Philadelphia, it, it was either small or not particularly strong. We don't know why that was the case. But Jesus took this time to speak to... <laughs> I want to encourage some people in here. And maybe encourage a pastor that might be watching here today. Uh, you may not have the largest size congregation, okay? But Jesus sees the deeds of that church. Yeah. And you know what? Bethel Church is not a mega church. We are not. We're not even the biggest church on this street <laughs> or this block. We, we, we're, okay? <laughs> and we love our friends next door. Uh, but, but let me tell you something God sees the deeds and the work. A Bethel Church of Talmadge, and, and he remembers what you're doing. It, it, it seems to me that, that Jesus, as he is looking at this church that either had weaknesses or they faced some battles, he noted the fact that they had been faithful. And Jesus puts an enormous value on faithfulness faithfulness. You may not look like another person doing the same job, but God sees your faithfulness, and the Lord applauds that. I come to you as a person who's been at the same church for 22 years. I've seen people who have been very, very faithful since I've been here. I've seen, I've seen God do some amazing things through some people that took ownership and the ministry of what God is doing here. And I think that there's value in knowing that God sees your faithfulness and he puts a lot of value in that. He notices that. I'm reminded from Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, that we will one day be told, well done, 
thou good and successful servant? Well done, thou good and popular servant? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. God values faithfulness. So you be faithful. And I want you to know that God remembers and sees and values your faithfulness. Maybe nobody else does, but God sees it. The Lord sees it. And maybe that's the promise that you need today. Maybe the promise that you need to cling to this morning is this one, that Jesus remembers my faithfulness. I may go unnoticed by human beings, but I will never go unnoticed by God. He remembers, and that's a good thing to hold on to. Secondly today, not only does he remember, but he also reveals. He reveals. Not only does he remember, but he also reveals. This message is brought to you by the letter R today. He reveals. R-E, actually. Uh, look at verses 7 and 8 again, if you would. 7 and 8, he says, uh, To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. Look at this. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. So what God opens, no man can shut it. And when God shuts, no man can open it. And then he goes further in verse 8, and he says, See, I have placed before you before you, an open door. In verse 8, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I believe that there's a door that every person wants to reveal, or that, that every person has that Jesus wants to reveal today. Jesus reveals a door to every single person's... Number one, let me use this term. He wants to reveal a door to your forever. Your forever. Your eternity. There is a door that stands before each and every single person that is before me today and watching me online today. That door leads to either heaven or hell. The choice for that is made by us, by you. There is not a predestined amount of people here on the earth that God has decided, oh well, I guess they go to hell. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it did. And, and, and the good ones, good, it, it is God's will that nobody should perish. Okay? But that decision is made by us. If we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we accept him as our Lord and Savior, then that door to eternity with him is open for us to walk through. And he places that door in front of you, and it's up to us to walk through it. My question today would be this, are you right with Jesus today? Are you in a right standing with Jesus? Jesus died for you, friend. We just talked about the blood of Jesus Christ that wasn't just some ritual that Jesus went through. Jesus died so that we could live with him forever in eternity. And the plan of salvation is this. I was lost. I could not pay the debt of my sin. Jesus paid the debt that I owed for my sin so that I could walk through that door to my forever 
with him. That choice comes when I do this, when I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead, then I will be saved and the door to my forever is open. And today, if you need Jesus, give him your life. Don't wait. Don't manage things thinking you've got time. Nobody is guaranteed the next minute in this place. We have seen God change people's lives just like that in this congregation this past month. Trust me when I tell you we are guaranteed nothing except for Jesus to honor us, making him Lord and Savior. We are guaranteed eternity with him if we will just do that. There's a door to your forever. There's also a door to your future. Not just in eternity, but here on earth. Jesus has a plan for you. Did you know that? Every single person in here, God has a purpose for you. And Jesus says, I have placed a door in front of you to walk through that no man can shut doesn't matter someone else's opinion. Man cannot shut that door. It doesn't even matter what you think about yourself. No man can shut that door. Jesus has a plan. And let me tell you something. Your mistakes are not more powerful than God's plan. Your plans are not higher than God's plans. Last I read the scripture, his ways are higher than my ways. And so you have a door before you that Jesus says, I am placing this door in front of you to your future. I've got your future. If the future freaks you out, if you're not sure you can make it through election day, (laughs) trust me, you can. No matter who gets elected, I'm going to say this again, no matter who gets elected, Jesus is still on the throne. No matter what party it is, Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat. Jesus is Jesus. He is king. He is sovereign. He is Lord. And that's who we're going to be obsessed with. Can I hear an amen in this place? And so we don't have to freak out about what his plan is for us. He will reveal that to you. He's got you. Those of you who are considering your future, please know that Jesus has your future in his hands. Now, let me give you some guidelines. Jesus will never, ever contradict the word of God in giving you your plans. Never. Never. So if your plans include disobeying the word of God, those aren't God's plans. Okay? That's you or late-night pizza or whatever the case might be, but that's not a word from the Lord. God will never contradict his word to make you happy. Ooh, I should say it again. God will never contradict his word to make you happy. Ever. Because he knows that true happiness and true contentment and true satisfaction is found within the confines of his word. And so he sets a door in front of you that no man can shut. Thirdly today, Jesus rewards Jesus is a rewarder. Watch, take a look at verses 10 and 11 again. 
Since you've kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's coming, that's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Now, some people read that and they think, whoa, what is that? Is that in a movie somewhere? If it is, it's probably not very good. Uh, Jesus says, I will reward you, and let me tell you what I believe he will reward us with. And maybe some of us need to stand on that promise today. He, needs to reward, he, he, he plans to reward his kids, his people, with his protection. He says, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial that's about to come to test the entire world. What in the world is Jesus talking about? Here's the deal. Here's what the Bible tells us, okay? The Bible tells us that one day there will be what we call a rapture where we will go to be with Jesus in the twinkling of an eye. Can Can you imagine cable news when that happens? I mean, hopefully some of them will go, but but <laughs> the more I watch it, I'm not so sure. But those of us who are faithful to the Lord, those of us who are his children, we will disappear from this place and will forever be with Jesus. And I long for that day. So you say, oh, no, 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 no. I want to get married first. I want to have a career. I want to do this first. Trust me when I tell you, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what Jesus has prepared for those that love him. It cannot, none of this can compare. Nothing you can identify here on earth can compare to being with Jesus forever and ever in heaven. And one day that's going to be. Now, what happens to those that are remain that starts what's called the tribulation and i've heard people actually tell me well you know what i think i'm just going to stick it out you know when the when the rapture takes then uh, uh, I, I i would not advise that now i know there's different schools of thought that say that the rapture takes place and the and blah 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 but, but here's what we believe here's what we teach in this church if you disagree, that's fine. You have the right to be wrong, but here we go. Um, okay, so we believe that the rapture takes place and then there are seven years of tribulation is judgment upon the earth. Jesus wants to keep his children from those seven years. Jesus wants you in heaven more than you want to be in heaven. Do you know that? And so by giving our lives to Christ, he will protect us from the judgment that is coming upon the earth. Are you thankful for that today? Stay right with Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe that sounds old school to some of you, but I'm just telling you, it's Bible. It's Bible. It may not be feel good, but it's Bible. And we need to know what the Bible has to say. Can you say amen? So he he rewards us with his protection and he rewards us with his promise. And here's the promise. He says this, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. I'm so glad Jonathan chose the song Living Hope because we call this whole rapture event, we call that our blessed hope. Where do we get that? Titus chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, while we wait for the blessed hope. 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we have that promise, folks. And if, if you're walking around today and, and you have no hope, may I tell you, maybe it's because your view is a little short-sighted. Because all you can focus on is about the hundred years or so that you get, and, and I, I aimed high, the, the, the hundred years or so that we get here on earth. And that's all we're obsessed with. And I got to tell you, that, that's, just, that's just a blip in the radar compared, compared to eternity. And Jesus promises us. He promises us protection from the trial and the tribulation, but he also promises us that he is coming soon. I don't know when. There have been attempts to figure that out. Don't listen to those, please. Okay. Well, I bought this book. It's a, a stop. Okay. Well, I, I saw a YouTube channel. Oh, oh. I promise you, anybody can make a YouTube video. Anybody can, and they can say anything. You mean they let false stuff on the internet? Yeah, a lot. So let's know what the Word of God has to say. And the Word of God has to say that He is coming soon. Folks, the longer I'm in this, and the more I see what's going on in this world, I don't think we have long. I think we very well may be alive when the rapture takes place. I truly believe that. Even so, Lord, come quickly, I say. Amen? So maybe your promise that you need to hold on to is, I just need to know that Jesus gives me hope. Jesus gives me hope. That seems to be a theme today. I don't know who this is for but you have hope in Jesus Christ. You have hope in Jesus Christ. Number four, pastor, how many do you have? I'm not going to tell you. Number four, number four, I'm almost done. Jesus, that means nothing. Number four, Jesus reinforces. That doesn't sound all that grand, but you're going to be blessed when I share this with you. Verse 12. Look at verse 12. We say Jesus reinforces. He says, The one who is victorious, are you ready for this promise? I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Woo! Gee, God, thanks. I'm a pillar. I was kind of hoping for something a little cooler. You know? Some of us, we read that, and we're thinking... Okay, uh, yeah, I don't get it. Well, let me help you get it. Do you remember when I told you that Philadelphia was prone to earthquakes? Remember that? <laughs> How could you forget? It was just like 10 minutes ago. Okay, Philadelphia was, is, was prone to earthquakes. If you were to visit the ancient ruins of some of these cities that Jesus is addressing, especially Philadelphia, you would see a picture like this of a temple or a structure that would succumb to an earthquake, to a great shaking, and the only thing left standing, oh, come on, is the pillars Oh, this is so good. Come on. 
Remember when I told you when Jesus communicates with us, he does it in a way that we understand. Philadelphia gets this. I'll make you a pillar. That doesn't seem all that great to us, but to Philadelphia, it's like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's a big amen point for Philadelphia. Really? Yeah, see, because, because when life starts to shake you up a little bit, Jesus promises that he will keep you standing. Mm. Mm. That's my favorite part of this whole message. I couldn't wait to get to it. Has, has, has life shook you up lately? Or, or, or maybe, maybe not lately, maybe it's just been going on like for a while. And, and when your life gets shaken up, Jesus promises his strength to keep you standing like a pillar. What, what promise does this tell me? This promise tells me that Jesus will give me the strength that I need to go on. And if you think, you think because of what you're going through, you don't have the strength to make it anymore. You can't do it anymore. You can't make it anymore. You can't endure. You can't fulfill your responsibilities. You can't go through everything that you're having to go through. Jesus says, I will make you a pillar in my temple. And the shaking and the quaking and the, and the elements can take place, but you will be left standing. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's the promise you need today. That with all the shaking, I'm still standing. I'm standing. Everything's shaking around me. There's damage around me, but I'm still standing. There's stuff going on around me, but I, I'm a pillar. So the next time you see a pillar, you point to some stranger and say, that's me. Don't do that. Don't do that. She's like, okay, weirdo at Giant Eagle. Here we go. Here's my last one. Here's my last one. Jesus recognizes. I almost missed this. I almost missed this. And I did some digging. Have you ever, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use something that I understand, uh, the University of Illinois, who lost yesterday, and it stinks, but I'll be at this altar praying about it. So, but the University of Illinois, they have all these memorials. That's why it's called Memorial Stadium, where they play football. And they commemorate, and they signify different people for their service. And, and that stadium is full of those commemorations. And I thought about that when I read verse 12 again. Look at it again. It says, The one who is victorious, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will, look at this, I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Let me show you one of these pillars a little bit closer. See that inscription there? 
I have no idea what that says. But a faithful municipal servant or maybe a faithful priest was sometimes honored by having a special pillar added to the temple inscribed with his name. Jesus says, you're not only a pillar, I'll write my name on you. He says, you're mine. When, when, when people see that pillar, I don't want them just to see your name. But when they see you, I want them to see my name. Jesus wants you to know that he recognizes you as his own. How do we know? His name is written on you. <laughs> when I went to Bible college, my mom was obsessed with, and it explains a lot, by the way, in therapy, but my mom was obsessed with uh, making sure that everything I owned had this label on it. And do you remember those things where you would like, you know, you'd, you'd press a button, it was like this, this plastic, and then you'd, you'd press a button, and then like the, the white letters would pop out, it, it just like, like, ah! and, and, and Ma just, she, she put my initials, PLA, on everything, pla, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. My alarm clock, pla. My 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 suitcase, pla. How'd you get that on my suitcase? Uh, just my stereo, my records, pla. Records for the, you millennials, those are big CDs, and <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. There was no doubt. There was no doubt what belonged to Pla because that was taped everywhere in all of my belongings. I want it to be so evident that you belong to Jesus that when people see you, they know that you belong to him because his signature is written on you. You're not someone else's. You're his. You are his. And maybe the promise you need today is to know that you are his. Your behavior has not disqualified you from his love. Your behavior has not disqualified you from his love. Your lack of success has not disqualified you from his acceptance. You are his. Jonathan, if you can help me. I asked the Lord how he wanted me to finish this. And we're going to wrap this up right now. But I'm going to scroll all five of these promises on the screen for you. And that's how we're going to end this. And the question I have is, what promise do you need for yourself this morning? Mm 
maybe you've heard all five of these promises and it's like, wow, yeah, I, I could use all of that. Maybe for you, one really stands out more than the others. And what I want you to do is, is to pray and either sit or kneel or whatever you need to do, but, but to be able to look up at that screen and, and if there's a promise that pops up that says, I need hope. I need God to give me hope. And you pray about that. God, give me hope. Explain your situation to you. Maybe you're feeling pretty weak. You need to be reminded that you're a pillar in his eyes. He'll strengthen you. Maybe you feel a little bit abandoned and Jesus wants to remind you of this promise that you are his own. What, what promise do you need from the Lord today? What do you need from him? Maybe you think you've been forgotten. Jesus sees your faithfulness. He's not ignoring it. Maybe you just need to know what his plan is for your life. Jesus has that open door in front of you that no man can shut. And and maybe that's the promise you need to stand on. So today, what I want us to do is to spend some time saying, Jesus, that's the promise, whatever that is, that's the promise that I need. That's the promise that I need. And I want to pray about that. I claim that promise. I'm going to just say, Lord, give me that promise and I will trust you and I can go on another day. I can wake up tomorrow with that promise in my mind. I can carry on with my life knowing that I've got that promise or those promises. I can do this. I can do this because God says that I can. Can you say amen? Will you stand with me? Did you get anything out of this today? God has a promise for you. What do you need to grab and claim for your own life? I'm going to pray. So here's my directions, okay? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray over you. If you need to spend some time alone, talking to God, staring at a screen, seeing that promise and praying about it, you do that. And you take as long as you need to. And, and, and we're going to claim the promises of God. He's got your friend. Do you think it's an accident that you're here? No. God wants you to hear this. So claim these promises that he has. Amen? And when you're done, you can consider yourself dismissed. But let, let's, let's seek the one Let's seek the one who has that open door that absolutely nobody, nobody can shut. Jesus, in these next few moments, I firmly believe that there will be some people that will say, that's a promise that I need. That is a promise that I need to claim. That is something that I need to just inhale. I need to exhale the lies. I need to breathe in the truth. I need to breathe in the promises of God, and I'm going to walk in these promises, God. I'm going to be changed by these promises, God. I'm not going to live in the lies. I'm not going to live in deception. I'm going to live in such a way, Lord God, that I know that all of God's promises are yes and amen. So, Lord, in these next few moments, confirm your word, your promises, and your spirit to us and change us before we leave this place. In Jesus' name, and we all said amen. If you need to spend some time in prayer, claiming a promise, you do so right now. Get comfortable and pray. Maybe you want to kneel at this altar. Maybe you want to sit at your seat. And when God's finished with you, you can consider yourself dismissed. God bless you.